Welcome to the With All Wisdom podcast. My name is Derek Brown. I am here today with Cliff McManus. We are both pastors and elders at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California, and we are professors of theology at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And today we are doing part two of our series on Israel in light of recent events. Of course, in the news, the conflict over in Israel, we want to be talking about that from a biblical and historical perspective. Before we get back to our topic, I want to encourage you to check out withallwisdom.org if you haven't already, and check out the resources we have there. All of them are rooted in God's Word, and they aim to help you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus. So let's get back to our topic, Cliff. We covered a lot in that last episode. It's really, really helpful. And you took us through the history of this conflict. You took us through the history of Israel, the the history of some important terms like the word Palestine and Palestinian. And that was, uh, I think, incredibly helpful. In fact, if you were to take all that you said seriously in that last episode, it would completely change your outlook as you consider and interpret what's going on in Israel right now. And so I appreciate what you did in that last episode. Now we want to answer some practical questions, questions we've received from some of our members and other folks who have Christians, who have questions about Israel, how we should think about this situation as Christians. So Cliff, again, I want to hand it right over to you and let you kick it off. Yeah, the first question, I've actually received this a couple of times, maybe more than that, just in the last seven days, and that is, where as a Christian can I get good resources, reliable answers to the ongoing uh, conflict and the current battle that's going on? There's a lot of good resources. There's websites. But I just uh, just want to mention two books that have been – no, three of them that have been very helpful for me. And they're, they're all recent. The first one is Reclaiming Israel's History. Reclaiming Israel's History uh, by David Brog is B-R-O-G. This has actually been one of the most helpful – readable books hmm. to me. I don't know if the guy I don't I don't know if he's a Christian or not, but he's a great historian. Hmm. And listen to those who endorsed it on the back. You got Dennis Prager, mm-hmm. who he's not a Christian. He's a Jew. Right. But he knows the Jewish religion. You got a Christian pastor who's well known endorsed it as well. Hmm. And then Glenn Beck, hmm. who I think is a Mormon. He is a Mormon. Anyway, so you got Christian, Mormon, Jew. <laughs> But they all endorse it because it's just great history. Reclaiming Israel's history. Good, easy read in terms of the very – he's a very good writer. Makes a complicated subject understandable. I, is, I like those kinds of books. Yep. Now, this one is a Christian book. Uh, this is called What Should We Think About Israel? What a great title. Yeah. What Should We Think About Israel? Uh, by many Christian authors, and the general editor is J. Randall Price, also known as Randy Price. Mm-hmm. That's his other name. Uh, president of the World of the Bible Ministries. He is an expert on Israel. He's been to. He used to live in Israel, actually, and he's done tours, probably over a hundred tours to Israel, probably in his seventies by now. But he's had a ministry regarding uh, ministry to the Jews and Israel for about fifty years. Very reliable, great scholar. Adjunct professor at Liberty University and other Christian institutions as well. So um, you're going to find some great articles in here by a lot of the best of the best of Christian scholars on Israel in the world today. So that's good stuff. Very practical. What should we think about Israel? And then another recent one that came out, uh, editor by Larry Pettigrew. And you remember Dr. Doug Bookman from Mm -hmm. Master's College? I do. His sermons are famous. Yes, they are. (laughs) His chapel sermons are famous. 
So he's got a chapter in this next book. It's called Forsaking Israel. Oh. And Bookman's got an article in there. That's another one by, uh, I think Walt Kaiser has an article in there. Um, just some great Christian scholars who are experts on Israel. Mm-hmm. And um, Larry Pettigrew has an article in there, and he's the editor of the book. He was the former president of Shepherd Seminary in North Carolina, but he was also New Testament professor at the Master Seminary for over a decade. Great man of God. So, yeah. forsaking Israel. Get that one. And uh, I know you – I've already mentioned it, and I know you wouldn't uh, say it because you don't promote yourself in this way, but uh, your book, What Does the Bible Say About Israel? Past, Present, and Future, uh, got great endorsements, got great reviews, and a very, very helpful book that would, would help you – uh, in similar w- ways to those books, would I trust to help Christians think rightly about Israel? And so we have that book available on our website. You can even get a free PDF copy on our website. That is awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. It took me, I researched that book specifically for about two years yeah. and wrote it. And there's a chapter in there called Who Are the Palestinians? And I hadn't read it in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I read it last week. Again, I had to read that chapter yeah. again. It was good. I, yeah. I forgot everything I said, <laughs> all the research I did. It's like, wow, did I write this? Anyway, but I was dependent upon other experts sure. who were, were very helpful. Another one uh, that we've published, Derek, is the one called Islam, Friend or Foe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can find that on Amazon. It's not under my name, just the title, Islam, Friend or Foe. Yeah. It's helpful because, it again, it's pertinent to what's going on right now uh, because it's a – Muslim-Israeli conflict, right? not an Arab-Israeli conflict. And there, I have a section there on the prophecy of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39, which is uh, relevant here. I was With regard to books on Islam, I think it's imperative for Christians now to – I don't think Christians can remain in willful ignorance of Islam any longer. That's nope. just not an option. Nope. You need to know about it. You need to know the basic tenets. You need to know what is in the Quran. Uh, who Muhammad was, the way Islam views uh, the world, and and these kinds of things. So it's it's just it's just no longer uh, a luxury that Christians can indulge in anymore to to ignore Islam. You have to understand it, and that's a great resource uh, to do that. And we encourage our uh, listeners to. Uh, in fact, we'll probably eventually have to do a, a podcast or two or several on the religion of Islam to yep. help our. Listeners, I know you've taught on Islam uh, quite a bit in the past, and uh, it's we, Christ, Christians need to uh, equip themselves with some working knowledge of Islam. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do some Q and A, Derek. These right. are I wrote down a bunch of questions that I have received from folks in the last seven days and a few other occasions. This is probably the number one question I've received this week, Derek. I'm going to throw it at you because you're a pastor. Oh, great. This was one of those spontaneous questions, you know. <laughs> um, pastor Cliff, are we at the end of the age? And then coupled with, because this is similar, are we in the tribulation? Literally got a phone call Saturday morning when this happened with this question. Pastor Derek, are we at the end of the age? Are these the latter days and are we in the great tribulation? Well, I would say that since Christ has come back in I'm sorry, since Christ has come and died and raised and ascended, that the New Testament outlook is that we are in the latter days. So we're always in the latter days since Christ has ascended and now we're waiting for his return. And so in that sense, we're always in the latter days. 
and 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 in this kind of situation, there have been situations that have been uh, similar to this in terms of scale or or uh, location in over in the Middle East and involving Israel and and even things that don't directly involve Israel, like world wars and things like that, that tempt people to think like, oh, this must be this must be it because this is so big and so destructive and so disastrous that this must be the the end times. And so I think we just need to keep perspective that that Jesus says there will be until his second coming there'll be wars and rumors of wars and these things will will increase and and even during the time before the the end they'll ebb and they'll flow and so we have to keep that perspective. I also want to say that with regard to what the scripture teaches about the tribulation. I tend to think that when we are in the tribulation no one will be no one will be asking is this the tribulation. I tend to think that it will be it will be like Jesus said it will be tribulation like has never been experienced before. Has yes, never I I totally agree. So Derek would be like <laughs> so Derek, did you see that 150 pound hailstone that came down and smashed my car this morning? Exactly. Did you have those hailstones in your neighborhood? Exactly. And and I would say yes I did. So we <laughs> So that's that I think that question indicates in fact we're not in the the tribulation. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, that's just a human tendency. Sure. I mean, Martin Luther did that. He thought, yeah, that's true. He thought he was at the very end of the age and that the Pope was the final Antichrist. Yeah. As a matter of apparently there was a, it was called the Luther uh, Revelation Bible. And and quite honestly, if I would have been Luther at the time, I probably would have believed that same thing. Yep. <laughs> I totally understand why he did. Yeah. So. Uh, I know when I became a Christian, I thought that. Mm-hmm. I was all excited about Jesus is coming, the end of the age. Yeah. First time I read the book of Revelation, oh, this is it, baby. <laughs> you look at every bad thing in the news and you associate it with the tribulation. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I agree with you. So the simple answer is, are we in the tribulation? No. Yeah. We are not in the great tribulation, um, which is separate than personal tribulation for believing in right. Jesus. Right. This is... We're talking about eschatological great tribulation as prophesied in Scripture. So we are not in that. And I also agree with you, Derek, that we are in the latter days. I think everything after the ascension of Jesus basically constitutes the latter days because that's what the Bible says. Yeah. These are the latter days. And basically what that means is there's nothing major really that – I mean the the greatest event in the world history has happened, Mm -hmm. and that is the death and resurrection of the Messiah Mm -hmm. that all of the Old Testament was looking up to. Hence – uh, now it's just latter days until he comes again. That's right. Um, so how should – okay, next one. Um, how should – we alluded to this a little bit, but how should Christians interpret these immediate events? Well, particularly with Israel, um, I think we've – you set the stage really well in the previous episode by saying that that we interpret these uh, present events with Israel as a as a religious, a spiritual issue, a, a spiritual war, a religious war between Islam and or Muslims and the Jews, um, and so that's that's one one approach, one way to interpret it. Can I stop you there, Derek? Yeah, I think that's actually really important because you're saying as a Christian, distinctively, we should be interpreting the events with Israel and Hamas as a spiritual. Reality, right? Versus, probably right now, what it's being promoted as in the news is primarily a political. Exactly, issue. exactly. And so, can you elaborate a little more on that? How do I think about it as a spiritual event and versus political? Yeah. So, understanding Israel's history as the people of God, 
Um, I mean, you could even go back to, you have to go back to Genesis 3 even, when you find in Genesis 3 that God creates a people, Adam and Eve, and the first thing that happens is they are attacked by God's enemy, Satan. And Satan has always been attacking God's people. And so um, from that point on, and with Israel as a nation and, and Israel now, Satan has always had a an active hatred for God's people. And just because Israel is not presently believing in their Messiah does not mean that they are st- not still God's people in an, in, a, in an important sense. In fact, you've mentioned it in the last episode, they will... Uh, there'll be a, a large, massive group of, of Jews who will come to Christ and trust in their Messiah in the future. But the point is, is that Israel, as God's people, is is targeted by Satan um, with with hatred, with anger. Uh, you see this here even in, in Revelation 12, where uh, it talks about the dragon wanting to devour the woman who gives birth to the Messiah. And that is uh, an indication that Satan is always after Israel to, de- to devour, to, to destroy them. And so presently right now, it's not just one religion versus another. It's actually uh, Satan uh, using whatever forces he can to bring about the annihilation of God's people because he hates God's people. And so I think you have to trace it all the way through, through Scripture and even located it at the very beginning in, in Genesis 3 and trace it out all the way to Revelation and then today to, to recognize that this is spurred by Satan's hatred for God's people. Yeah, that's. I think that's where spiritual interpretation starts is understanding that Satan is real. He is behind this. He's orchestrating things. He's the ongoing nemesis of God. Starting in Genesis chapter 3, you mentioned from Genesis to Revelation, literally Revelation chapter 12. I call Revelation chapter 12 the history of Satan because mm. it actually does. It does a chronological summary of the some of the most specific events of Satan from the very – from the Garden of Eden all the way to the end of the age. Um, and the point of emphasis there is that he hates God's people. Yeah. And specifically since the time of Jesus, he hates the Jews. Yeah. So – Revelation 12, paradigm of Satan hates Israel. Uh, in addition to – I'm going to piggyback on spiritual interpretation here, Derek, of what's going on here with people attacking Israel. Not only has Satan always hated Israel as God's people, but um, humans and different races and nations of people have hated Israel. Um, but in Leviticus 26, this is a key chapter for Christians if they want to do a little more – for their study, in 1400 BC or 1440, God gives Moses the law, yeah. 613 laws and the Ten Commandments, the constitution of the nation of Israel before they go into the land. And okay, I'm going to give you the land. It, I own the land, but I'm going to give it to you. You will possess it. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you all these things. Uh, but the temporal blessing was conditional upon their obedience. So if you obey me, I'll bless you in these different ways. So that's Leviticus 26. If you obey me, I'm going to do all these wonderful things for you. Then God says, if you disobey me, mm-hmm. Leviticus 26, 14, if you do not obey me, verse 21, if you are not willing to obey me, once you get into the promised land, verse 23, if you turn from me, verse 27, if you do not obey me when you get into the promised land of Leviticus 26, 
I'm going to do the following to you. I'm going to chastise you. I'm going to punish you. I'm going to bring wrath and hostility against you, verse 28. I will act with hostility against you, my precious people, verse 24. God's going to judge his own people. Well, And the culmination of God's chastising judgment against Israel after he brings them into the land of promise is verse 33 of Leviticus 26 when he says, You, however, you Jews, I will scatter you among the nations. Mm, yep. I will scatter you among the nations. He reiterates this in Deuteronomy chapter 4 then, uh, and a couple of other places. I will scatter you among the nations. I will sprinkle you all over. I will remove you from the land. Uh, and there will always be Jews in the land, but your people will be all over. Um, yeah. And you will always be a minority wherever you are in yeah. the world. And you will be hated by the nations with which you reside. You will be despised by them. This is chastisement. This is punishment from God. That's right. And so that's what we're saying. Today we have Jews in just about every one of the 194 nations in the world yeah. today. Um, if they are in some of those uh, nations like Tehran, they're probably in hiding. Mm-hmm. But they're probably there. Mm-hmm. And God said that, I will scatter you among the nations, and you will be despised by all those people of that, the world. Yeah, that then, promise has been fulfilled. I mean, that, it has. that is evidence, you could say, of the truthfulness, the, the reliability of the Bible. Yep. Right there. And then in Deuteronomy 4, 40 years later, God said, I'm going to scatter you all over the world. And then Deuteronomy 4 literally says, God says, but in the latter days, mm. if you obey, if you repent, I will bring you back to the land. And Deuteronomy 4 literally says, in the latter days. Leviticus 26, God says the same thing. If you confess, if you repent, I will remember my covenant with Jacob and Abraham, and I will bring you back from the four corners of the earth. Mm. So uh, God isn't done with Israel yet. But uh, just both in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 4 and a couple other places, God warned him and said, you know what? If you don't obey, I'm going to chastise you. And part of that is the nations of the world are going to hate you. And... Then Jesus came to his own, and those who were his own received him not, yeah. according to John one eleven. For the most part, he was supposed to be a savior of the Jews as well as the world, but he came to his own, and the, the Jews collectively rejected him, except for a few. And even uh, on the the day that he entered at the triumphal entry, all the Jews were praising him with palm branches, uh, basically calling him king, yeah. we welcome you, and then, what, five days later, they're screaming for his blood yeah. as they are shouting for his blood, saying, crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. And then they, the Jews literally said, may his blood be on us yeah. and on our children. Yeah. May God's blood be on our descendants. And that's basically what's been happening for the last 2,000 years. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, what? Uh, let's see, another question I got. Um, oh, we answered that one. That was why do – why does everyone seem to hate the Jews? Yeah. And I think Satan – inspires this whole thing and then because of God's chastisement. Yep. Uh, Derek, we alluded to this a little bit in the last pr- program, but do you think, will there be peace in the Middle East anytime soon? What do you think on that one? Uh, no, there can be temporary peace like we've seen in some of these accords. There can be a little temporary peace, but you even characterize this peace as just a time of respite to reload the weapons. And no, it can't It can't be. There can't be peace between uh, these because, like we've mentioned, this is a spiritual battle, and so there there won't be peace. You know that expression, "peace in the Middle East." Um, it can't that seems really ultimately pessimistic. happen. You seem like a downer by saying that. That's very pessimistic and negative. Well, I think what it's meant to do, though, is point people towards the only person who can bring about true peace in the Middle East, 
and that's Jesus. And yep. he will, he will enact final true peace. He'll he's going to do some serious judgment and then he'll act enact true and abiding peace. Yeah. But to to say something like no there cannot be peace in the Middle East and there will not be is not meant to be merely a downer but to point us to Jesus Christ yeah. because he's the only one who can bring it about. I was being facetious but um <laughs> I think you're being realistic. Yeah, by saying that. You're just giving the truth. Yeah. That's what the Bible clearly says. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't be doing the opposite like the utopians who are falsely making promises saying that they can broker peace yeah. in the Middle East, yeah. giving people a false hope, which Jeremiah condemns that. Mm. When false teachers go around and say, peace, peace, when there is no peace, right. we shouldn't be doing that. Right. We need to be realistic with people and the truth. So I agree with you. I don't see peace happening anytime soon. Mm-mm. Until God makes it happen, mm-hmm. and that's at the end of the age, mm-hmm. with the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, Derek, is this attack, because Israel has been o- disobedient, Right. as a matter of fact, some Christians hold the position that, well, it was the Jews that crucified the Messiah, Yeah. therefore they deserve the wrath of God any way that it comes. It's deserved on Israelis and Jews. So is this most recent attack on Israel justified? Did they deserve it? So this needs to this needs crystal clarity, this question, I think. Because what you just said, it's not as though that is a a uncommon viewpoint. I I just saw it again on Twitter today, uh, uh, or yesterday rather, someone a Christian saying that very thing. They they quoted the place where uh, in the gospels are the Jews are yelling, crucify him, and they said that Israel's bloodshed is worse than Hamas's, and therefore, no pity on Israel. They're getting what they deserve. And I just was, I was stunned. I was stunned because of the lack of theological clarity and even uh, just biblical clarity at this point. God, as you've already pointed out, promised Israel that he would chastise them for their disobedience. And, and he has done that, and he is, he is con- going to continue to do that. However, if you turn to Isaiah 10 as an example, I think this really puts this in, in uh, cl- makes this clear. You turn to Isaiah 10, God is going to use Assyria to discipline his people. They've been disobedient, they need to be judged, they need to be disciplined, and so he's going to bring in this foreign nation to do that. And the text says that this foreign nation, they're... They don't, you know, they're not receiving a revelation from God going, okay, let's go in and, and attack Israel in order to discipline them for God's, for Yahweh's sake. They're just a nation that is proud and arrogant and want to go kill people and, and take over people. That's what they want to do. And so that's what they're thinking. They're, Here's Israel. We're going to go, uh, we're going to go take them out. We're going to go plunder them. It's going to be a great time. And in God's providence and his sovereignty, he's actually using that nation to discipline his people. And then he turns around and he says, and I will judge Assyria because they acted wickedly and proud. And so in a situation like this, we are able to say, yes, Israel, we, you have to say both things. Israel is under God's judgment. We know that biblically. And you can say at the same time, and this act by Hamas was absolutely wicked, uncalled for, and evil. Yeah. And that's what God, that's what God does in, in Scripture. And you have to be careful that you're not trying to uh, act as God in how he and, and, and try to interpret things for God and how he is carrying his, out his, his justice. Yeah, that's a great point. 
um, God is the one who chastises his precious people, Israel. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't. That's right. Israel is still God's elect. Mm-hmm. They're his precious possession. That's what it says. He's the God of Israel. That's his name in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, and that will never change. Great answer on that one. That's really helpful. Um. I, I want to address this one because this was a specific question I got um, about, well, what about Ezekiel 38 and 39? Apparently there are Christians out there making videos, YouTubes, uh, podcasts, saying that uh, what's happening right now is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and 39, which is a prophecy uh, about the end of the age. Most commentators actually do believe that Ezekiel 38 and 39 is a specific prophecy about the end of the age. So that is true, yeah. and I believe it is. Um Here's a popular prophecy from in the evangelical community that's been around for decades, probably since Hal Lindsey in the 1970s. Derek, let me run it by you. I'll just read the verse, uh, Ezekiel 38, verse 1. It, and the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, Ezekiel, set your face towards Gog, whatever Gog is, if it's a man or an area mm-hmm. or region. Set your face towards Gog of the land of Magog. Most people think it's some guy, a man, who lives in the land of Magog, which is probably Asia Minor. Set your face towards Gog in the land of Magog. The Prince of Rosh, capital R-O-S-H, the Prince of Rosh. Now, some people, uh, and I don't know if it was Hal Lindsey, but uh, people like that said that Rosh is a country that Ezekiel's referring to, and it's a prophecy of Ezekiel who's speaking in like 550, 600 B.C. This is a prophecy of Russia because Rosh, R-O-S-H, sounds in English, sounds like Russia. Mm, Yeah, right. So this is obviously Russia, um, the prince of Russia, Rosh, and then Meshech, M-E-S-E-C-H, Meshech in your English Bible, and they say that sounds like Moscow. Okay. Rosh, Russia, Meshach, Moscow, and then Tubal, T-U-B-A-L. That sounds like uh, Tolbolsk, which is a city in Russia. Literally. Wow, okay. And this is – I've been familiar with this view that started in the 1970s, and it's been uh, prominent in the evangelical community and those who uh, put a lot of emphasis on end times prophecy. And so they say that definitely this is a prophecy that at the end of the age – Russia is going to be involved, which would take – that means Putin, and it's, it's going to be headquartered in Moscow, Meshek in verse 1, and then another Russian city there in uh, Siberia, Tubal. Uh, and so therefore, since all this stuff is going on in, with Putin and Russia and Ukraine and now Israel and the Palestinians and Putin's – he hates the Jews too. Mm. Are we – is this evidence, Derek, verse 1? Is this prophecy being fulfilled with Russia, Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal? Is that uh, Russia, Moscow, and Tobolsk? Uh, what your thoughts on that? Just on the on the face of it, I think that's you're you're stretching a little bit to yeah. come to those conclusions. I think it's completely absurd. Because <laughs> <laughs> you you're uh, you do bibliology, and with that is hermeneutics, right? So. Just to comment on this idea of doing hermeneutics that way, in an English Bible, you've got R-O-S-H, and then you connect that with the English version of Russia. Right. Can we do that with the Bible? No. No, you have to understand the words in their original context and their original language. And Yep. Not the English not Bible. Not the English, right. 
which actually comes from the King James. So mm-hmm. completely illegitimate hermeneutic. We do not interpret the Bible this way. This is completely <laughs> artificial, manufactured, manipulated. Yep. It's very popular, though. Resonates with the populace, and sure. people get excited, and oh, wow, we're seeing it right before our eyes, and look what Putin's doing, and it's right here in Ezekiel yeah. 38, and then they write a book, and people buy it, and they get all uptight. What I've found is that Christians get unsettled right. and uncomfortable and scared and fearful because of somebody's bad, manipulative ex mm-hmm. in Jesus mm-hmm. trying to sell a book or whatever they're doing. So uh, to answer your question, what about Ezekiel 38 and 39? Um I don't think we're in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Clearly, in the context, if you read it on that day, verse 10, on that day, verse 14, uh, verse 18, it will come about on that day, and then actually God's going to be present, um, I myself, uh, verse 23. This is clearly referring to an event at the end of the age. And then when you look up commentators of our persuasion who are pre-mill evangelicals, they don't even agree when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's three options. This is going to happen during the tribulation at the end of the age. Yeah. This is going to happen at the second coming before the millennium. Right. And then another guy says, no, this is going to happen at the end of the millennium. Right. And those are all three good mm-hmm. evangelical scholars. Mm-hmm. Point being that Jesus was right. You don't know the day or the hour. Right. So quit fighting over the timing. Yeah. Only God knows that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so those were the main questions that I had, Derek, um, that hopefully help the listeners out there. Yeah, and that's good. Those are practical, helpful oh, questions. One but, more. Yeah, go ahead. I'll throw it at you. Uh, is this a 50-50 prospect of what's happening with Israel and Hamas? Like they're both equally responsible, kind of like the Pope insinuated oh. last week, mm-hmm. where it's like, just stop fighting. War is no good for anybody. Right. In other words, Israel, you, sh- you don't need to retaliate. And he was basically saying there's a moral equivalence here. Mm-hmm. I think the hopefully the fruit of their, that first episode and even what we said in this episode is to shift people's understanding to be more historically and biblically aligned with what is really happening in Israel right now and the history of Palestine and the history of, of Israel to, to see that what has been portrayed in the media of late is not the way it, it actually is, namely calling Israel occupiers, for example, or suggesting that Israel became a nation in 1948, because that gives the impression that, in fact, Israel doesn't belong there, and this is not their land. And any kind of action that they take against Palestine is, Palestinians or Hamas is de facto an act of aggression. And if you rightly understand the history of these things, then I think you're going to have a, a different viewpoint. So I would say no. We can't see this as a 50-50, particularly this situation that just happened, um, because this was not at all in any way, shape, or form an act of retaliation by Hamas. This was a calculated terrorist attack uh, of the worst kind, and you can see that in the way they conducted it. Um, and so, but that, but that assumes also that there is not a moral equivalency when it comes to who should be in the land. Um, we've already uh, seen from Scripture that Israel belongs there because it is the land is a gift from from their Creator, from our Creator. So no, we can't see this as a as a fifty fifty. We don't want to pick sides. No, you you do need to pick sides and have moral clarity on this issue. And I think the 
the right direction is, is clearly with, with Israel. And with this particular event, it's with, with Israel. Yeah, I agree. And again, I'm just going to end from my point of view of what I started with. And that's, I think we're able to talk about this with some level of confidence and clarity because of the Bible. Yeah, that's right. That's what gives us the clarity. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I appreciate you being able to take us through so much of this because I do understand why people lack clarity. You would lack clarity if you're not starting from, a, from biblical presuppositions. And so hopefully this will be helpful and hopefully some of this clarity can, and can spread. And I think, too, I want to end with this. We've talked about this before, Cliff, and I just want to reemphasize it. Um, we've talked about, as Christians, we just have a, we've experienced in our own lives just a natural affection for the Jews and for Israel. I can't explain it except to say that when I became a Christian, I uh, shortly, very quickly, I mean, I, I went to the Bible college, I started studying the Old Testament, and just immediately, just Israel and the Jews became uh, an object of my affection because this is my history. These are my people. My my Messiah, my Savior is Jewish. He came out of Israel. We are we have been grafted in, um, and so what I want to encourage our listeners is to really consider the place that Israel has in redemptive history, the place that Israel has in in God's own heart, the promises that He's made, and the promises He plans to keep with with Israel, and consider your your own Savior, who is who is a Jewish man. God in the flesh, but nevertheless a Jewish man, and recognize what Scripture says about Israel specifically. For example, Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, may they be secure who love you. Um, Psalm 135.4, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. Uh, Psalm 128.6, peace be upon Israel. Mm -hmm. And so Christians should have a love for Israel, a love for the Jew. And therefore, it's you, you can't be indifferent towards this conflict and just kind of shut it off and not want to think about it. No, this is something that should actually provoke in you grief, sadness, anger even, and to have you pray for Israel and the Jews. And I, and I think the Bible actually promises blessing upon those who have a, a, a genuine concern for and work for the peace of, of, of Israel and the good of Israel. Yep. I think the Bible is going to it promises blessing. Amen. I still I believe that Genesis twelve three is still in effect. That mm-hmm. uh, when God said, "I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you." Mm-hmm. So we want you to, to consider those things and hopefully grow in your own uh, love for the Jews and God's people, Israel, and continue to pray for them and to look forward to their in gathering. That's going to be sweet, and to remember too that you were grafted in as a Gentile, and. Um, so that should that should humble us. In fact, that's what Paul says. That should humble you. Yep. It should keep you humble. And so we pr- hope this has been helpful. If you haven't already listened to episode uh, the first episode on this topic to give you some some background, and we we trust this has been helpful. And we encourage you to check out withallwisdom.org. And until next time, keep seeking the Lord and His Word. <laughs>